I try to explain that to people that I guess if you want to call it the black experience is is a lived it's a truly lived experience throughout every lived experience it gets challenging sometimes because you just want to grow food you don't want to grow food and grow food and grow food and you don't want, you don't want to do that you just want to grow food because you know that there are people that are just growing food and they don't have to deal with the and the but the however furthermore <laughs> Welcome to the 328th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, community food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Since she was a young girl, Queen Fry has been interested in growing food, thanks to her grandmother and other members of her family, who are all ardent gardeners. Through the years, the 39-year-old black woman has pursued that passion despite the fact that she doesn't fit the old McDonald farmer stereotype of a white man living in a rural area. In 2019, Queen and her partner, Mike Kukendall, launched Our Roots Garden, an urban farming enterprise that's growing produce in various locations, including an empty city lot in North Minneapolis and at a school in the community. Our Roots is based on the idea that everyone deserves access to fresh, healthy food. That mission takes on a special resonance in a food desert like North Minneapolis, where fast food businesses dominate and full-service grocery stores are few and far between. Queen and Mike are also committed to teaching others how to raise food in an urban area on a limited income. That's why Our Roots does community educational outreach and has partnered with the City of Minneapolis' Step Up program to work with interns. Today, Our Roots is raising an impressive amount of produce on small plots of land, despite numerous challenges. For example, Queen laughs at the time she planted a vegetable plot and realized she had no access to water. She drove to a local Aldi grocery store and bought gallon jugs of H2O to do some emergency irrigation. Other challenges include lack of financial resources, inconsistent access to land, social upheaval in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, and serious health issues on the part of Queen. The produce raised by the urban farming operation is distributed locally, and Queen is constantly in search of ways to improve not only how she raises food, but how she sets up a system that engages others in gardening and healthy eating. Over the years, she's enrolled in numerous classes, including the University of Minnesota's Master Gardener program. So perhaps it's not surprising that during the winter of 2022-2023, she and Mike took LSP's Farm Beginnings course. For the past quarter century, Farm Beginnings has been offering training that focuses on the goal-setting, marketing, and financial skills needed to establish a successful farm business. Through the class, LSP organizers introduce students to holistic business planning. In addition, established farmers, as well as experts on farm financing, marketing, and other topics, give in-depth presentations. Queen, who has worked in the accounting profession, says Farm Beginnings not only helped her strategize how to structure Our Roots Garden as an entity that will be sustainable in the long term from an economic and quality of life point of view, but helped her see ways of making the enterprise a bigger part of the community. And speaking of community, the class helped Queen connect with other farmers who are also interested in producing food in a way that's good for their neighbors and the land. On a recent day, 
I visited Queen at an R Roots vegetable plot in the Willard Hay neighborhood of North Minneapolis. The lot where the garden was located had been abandoned for 15 years before R Roots Garden came along. But on this September day, it was a riot of Swiss chard, cauliflower, purple cabbage, cucumbers, sage, collard greens, banana peppers, basil, and eggplant. Queen sat down at a picnic table at the edge of the garden and talked to me about her passion for raising healthy food, how farm beginnings have supported her agrarian dreams, and her goals for getting more people in the neighborhood excited about urban farming. She also shared what it's like, as a black woman, to partake in a profession that has long been associated with slavery and discrimination. I call myself a generational urban farmer. Okay. Because I'm not a rural farmer, and I don't just, you know, like grow gardens at home. This was a skill like gardening or urban gardening, which I'm learning, like, depending on where you decide to grow food, you have to do things strategically different because there's different animals and there's different insects and Mm -hmm. there's different zoning climates. So I tell people I'm a generational urban farmer to kind of set the stage for location and kind of paint a picture of of challenges and a visual of what the space could possibly look like where I come from from farming and so my grandmother taught me this when we were young um, in Boston Massachusetts she had a community plot that she had um, with the rest of the residents they all had their individual plots in a big large community garden it was like probably like the quarter of size of like a cemetery oh wow yeah so it was like this big large space that was across from the boston public housing and that's where everybody collectively just kind of grew in their own plots and so my grandmother had this little plot and i would help her in there and i have pictures even from when i was like two years old of being in this this small plot learning what she was doing, not understanding, uh-huh. you know, really futuristically what this could mean. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Some kids have negative, they're like, oh, I hated working in a garden as a kid and all that. I mean, was yours a positive experience? Or? It was. It was. She never talked about things like how we talk about gardening today, about it being revolutionary mm. and sustainable. It was just... It was part of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't never talk about it like that. It was always something we did. It was, you know, almost like how everybody prepares to go back to school. Our family would prepare to start growing food. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. We continued to do that after we moved here to Minneapolis in 89. Um, I just know it was right before that Halloween snowstorm, and oh, I was gosh. Oh, just this little kid like, what just happened to yeah. my life? <laughs> yes. And so we started in the Falwell neighborhood, and we moved around a lot. We moved. We had a garden in Falwell. So wherever we lived, and we in North Minneapolis, we moved around a lot, and we always lived in a duplex mm-hmm. or a house um, that we were renting. And my grandma automatically would go to the backyard. She would dig up a rectangular space. I would say maybe 
I don't know, four feet by eight feet, feet something like that. Um, and then we would till the soil, plant the seeds. I don't remember her having plants. Um, we would harvest the vegetables. I don't recall her doing fruit, but my grandmother on my father's side, she had fruit trees on her property in Boston. So when I would visit her for summers, I remember we would, you know, kids have lemonade stand. We yeah. would have a fruit stand with oh, the neat. fruit from my Nana's trees. Ah, yeah. Like it would be apples and... Apples and plums. Plums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah. And I re- the plums were like, they were just as big as the grocery store and they oh, were man. really good. And then, so we moved here to Minneapolis Moved around, but wherever we lived, we always had a garden. Until I moved out, of course, I got older, I moved out. Um, And then I had my own garden when I lived in Brooklyn Park. Um, And my mother continued to garden after my grandmother passed. She continued to garden, but she would use, like, community plots. Mm -hmm. And then... When my mom passed away in 2019, I was just like, what can I like what can I do to preserve our relationship and so in 2019 it kind of started in that way. One thing I came across that would kind of help me brainstorm and kind of filter through what those ideas would be would be to do the land stewardship uh, farmers beginning class. And so that was kind of like my first real classroom experience on agriculture. Yeah, I was going to ask you what led you, because you've been mm-hmm. doing it for a couple years. Mm-hmm. So you had the experience. But yeah, mm-hmm. what was it about farming games that you felt like you needed? So I had been out here since 2019 doing this at, uh, at a larger pace. Mm-hmm. 2019 and 2020, there were like conversations about community conversations about different conversations about social justice issues and it wasn't just you know just like treating people well it was about economic justice and food justice and space justice like all these different categories and I was like wow of course that was a time where we were going through the pandemic and we were experiencing the unrest And so I started to think, well, how can this garden space be a place of peace, be Mm -hmm. a place of building community, um, restoring relationships, um, sharing art, helping with, you know, our food system in North Minneapolis. And since I grew up here, this location, like this city, this this part of the city is like my main focus because I grew up here. As I was, for the first two years, 2019 and 2020, I started to meet the other urban farmers. Um, I started to listen to the conversations. And I was like, wow, these are like a lot of the conversations that I had as as a young girl growing up here. Like, why is this like this? And why is that like that? And how come this? You know, hearing people in a group and actually really talking about it you know and I was like wow okay this wasn't just a a me thing like there's other people who are seeing the same things I'm seeing in our neighborhood and Mm -hmm. we want to do something differently 
so then I started thinking, okay, what are the resources that I can use to kind of prepare myself? Because a lot of people, I, I didn't know if people would be expecting that of me, like to have an agricultural degree or some kind of degree in public health mm-hmm. or um, and, and anything wanna, like that. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like the first couple of years you were doing the gardening, really, it's like, it's a, you really, you have a good memories of it and it was mm-hmm. a way to connect with your mother and your family. Mm-hmm. But then this kind of was maybe a little you're like oh this is a way it can be more of a community mm-hmm. it can kind of connect with that a little bit yeah kind of yeah because we never because i think it's because we know how to do this that we're just like yes yeah, is what we do every season not understanding that our neighbors don't know these skills oh, you yeah. know uh-huh. and so when you talk about our food system you have to include the knowledge that is missing that the community doesn't have access to is you know we can change the system if we want to and provide access to food through multiple distributions but what do we do with the knowledge of how to do this does that also get shared along with does that do we also open up access as well as opening up access to having different distributions. Like, do people in this neighborhood just want to go stand in a line? Or do they want to know? Or do they want to do some of both? And why, if we know how to do this, why don't we teach what we know so that future generations will be equipped with both? They'll have knowledge and they'll also have access. They'll have access to knowledge and access to spaces that give them food like this and preserve food and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, well, I know people aren't going to mind. Not a lot of people mind or ask you for, like, credentialing in this field. Like, Mm -hmm. if I was going to stand up and talk about accounting, they're definitely going to want to know, you (laughs) know, where I went to school and the experience I've had. But... If I can make collard greens, nobody really asks me about that. Yeah. You know, nobody says, oh, how'd you, where'd you go to school to, to get this? Nobody asks me about that. The things they do want to know is, am I food safe aware? Um, am I conscious of clean water, clean soil? Do I know and understand, the, like, what's around the garden, like, to keep the food safe Mm -hmm. a lot of people just want to know about that part if i eat this will i get sick right right and i could have a degree in uh acrobatics (laughs) 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 and i grow food and they wouldn't they wouldn't care they'd be like oh you learned something pretty good Mm -hmm. and so as i started to understand that people want to know if their food is safe for them especially now when we're having several conversations about water and water contamination and just the environment in general like air quality and soil quality I'm like oh these these are topics that I would get a certificate in these are topics and things that I want to know I want to know where I can access this information as I'm growing you know the food and so I started looking at the U of M for resources and then That just kind of brought me all the way around, like popped up land stewardship project. Um, So I signed up with them to kind of learn specifically how to like really construct our roots garden as a business. Mm. And, And then 
they taught me how to filter through all the great ideas I have because I'm learning as an entrepreneur every day you could wake up and you could be trying to solve you know or progress on 20 different goals and you don't want to do that right it's overwhelming and you burn yourself out yes and so that's what kind of led me to that and the the farmer beginning class helped me organize all that information helped me write it out it helped me even if I was thinking about for this to be a profitable um, venture for me how you know how to really scale that out and and they teach you you know how to transition out of your job let's say this gardening your your farming venture is a side project how do you make that transition and I wish I would have had that while I was still working because I think that's the reason why I never left my job for to pursue a passion you know other passions because I was well how do I sustain myself like Mm -hmm. how do I maintain my stability that's what my job was doing it just making me stable and so and when I think about the entrepreneurial part of the work it's like you're doing all the HR compliance the legal Mm. and now all of that (laughs) yeah you're a one-stop shop for Mm -hmm. all that yep which can be bad or good Yes, yes, and there are no holidays. Yeah. <laughs> like when when you're an entrepreneur, you don't get seven paid holidays automatically right. from the federal government. Like you have to be connected to a job to get that. Or you have to like Farm Beginnings told me you have to um plan that out. Mm-hmm in your budget and stuff you want to pay yourself for holidays you want to pay your employees for holidays they they walk you through all those phases and I liked it because when I went to school for accounting we learned about accounting for many different industries you know week one we would start with the manufacturer and then by the 17th week we were doing like retail which is totally different and so Farm Beginnings was like, it was specifically focused on this industry. What's the language here? It took you through some marketing. It was like all the things I learned in accounting, all those business administrative concepts and accounting concepts was built into each chapter one by one. And at Mm. the end of the day, you have this nice binder with your finished homework and it has some draft of where you can start you know creating your business plan or um, really talking about your goals through your farm venture Mm -hmm. and I like that and then alongside this I signed up for the master gardener program through the U of M and that's a two-year track for me to learn about botany and horticulture Hmm. Yeah, and I was like, well, here's a piece of education, and they also require you to complete 50 hours of volunteer service, so then you are at other gardens, or the there's a, there's a garden mentor line and stuff, and I like that educational piece because I want to teach people. I want to help people when they have questions about their garden. I want to feel confident when I'm giving them my responses, you know, my suggestions. 
And that's exactly what this program is. It's a, it's a master gardener program. Okay. You learn about botany and horticulture, and you use that knowledge to assist other people with their gardens or community leaders, leading gardens, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, wow, now I have like this specific educational piece on what is this, what is that um, when it comes to plant life. And then I also have my own learned experience. And then I have specific knowledge on the business. Now what I'm moving forward to is getting a certificate in public health and public health as a community health worker, which from my understanding, what I'm learning is the community health workers try to work more proactively when it comes to public health. So before you get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece is certifying in community engagement. Like how do you really do that and be successful with it? How do you rally people together? How do you start a movement? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you really take action? And so those are the next two things on the horizon for 2024. But I think it's almost like I'm building my own degree program. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and actually. I'm not going to one particular college or university. Uh-huh. With the Farm Beginnings, I was going to ask you about that because you have the account, obviously, years of accounting experience. Mm-hmm. So, and I know part of what it focuses on is holistic business planning. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd ever been exposed to before? Kind of that holistic view mm-hmm. of business planning? Yes. Kind of you yep. had. Yep. Later on in my career, you know, people started to talk about balance a lot. What is, what is balance? What does balance look like? We started talking about that even at the workplace Mm -hmm. and, and, and balance. And this was before the pandemic and, and kind of what is all in play there. So having that a little bit in the back of my mind while I was out here, it was like, it's, it's necessary for me to take breaks. It's okay for me to take time off, you know. <laughs> so that part, I actually took the extended version of the holistic financial planning piece. That was like a two-day course. It was optional. Okay, two um, farm beginnings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, and I and I took that, and the lady had. Uh, she, she was just sharing her personal story of like on a farm like the things you kind of need for yourself mm-hmm. so that you can continue to thrive so that you can continue to pour into your business and what are some good things that you need to look out for and set up and it was almost not so much talking about like being organized like having like infrastructure it was more listening to her story was like yeah, there's this whole business piece to it, but I myself like need to be in good health in order to do this. And what are the things that I need or don't need in my space? It was almost like talking about having realistic boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, set for yourself when it comes to business, when it comes to your personal life, cuz she really touched on being being a farmer, you are your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there isn't anything, you know, above you, like you don't have a manager. So you have to ask yourself, am I organized? Am I, do I, how's my communication? Like she was having us dive into topics like that. Kind of like those, those soft skills of, of being ready for the job and how that 
can tie into your numbers as well. Yeah. Her story was helpful. It was like, one, it was like, yeah, I knew I wasn't the only one going through this. <laughs> yeah. And then the second part was, wow, you know, I'm not alone. Yeah. You know. So that's interesting. You kind of set up earlier, you were saying you kind of, it's almost like three legs of a stool. You've got the, the plant, the kind of nuts and bolts training and experience with the plant raising the plants themselves doing that which mm-hmm. often that's no matter what the farmer's doing <laughs> that's the only thing they ever care about and, yes. uh, and that gets them in trouble yep. but then you got the kind of your lived experience and your personal mm-hmm. experience and seeing how important this could be for the community mm-hmm. but then also the, you've kind of been able to refine your business skills and entrepreneur skills and kind of mm-hmm. see that maybe being an entrepreneur just doesn't mean striking out on your own and killing yourself you mm-hmm. it means thing. having a plan yeah yeah <laughs> <Entreprenurial>. <laughs> yeah that's a good way yeah it means having a plan what's the cl- and understanding that your plan can change yes and that is okay yes uh, <laughs> changing horses in midstream as they say yeah <laughs> Is, was it yeah. helpful to be in a class with other people roughly your age and who, and then they were all looking at different kinds of enterprises, but who, frankly, you were like, oh, I'm not the only crazy one that thinks that this is something uh, you can make a life out of this. Was that helpful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if our cohort was the largest, but I think it was. It's a I mean, big, look, at there's a, a lot of people in that room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I got there, I was like, are we all in here for the same thing? You know, I was just not sure because there's so few of us. Yeah, that's interesting. There's so few of us, but there's so many people there to share food with. Uh So that was helpful, having a cohort. And then we all had a different perspective on how we wanted to do this work Mm -hmm. and so if so I'm a horticulturist if let's say I'm taking notes I'm not really sure what to ask and in in the the facilitators like you have any questions Virginia over here could be like and maybe she just grows flowers but she could ask a question that like I I would need to know or want to know Um, either for myself or I don't know know about her or somebody might have that question one day or something but just to hear other people ask their questions too it was like it was almost like this like it's a question bank like when you read like freak like the FAQs in a a document or something Mm -hmm. it was like having other people kind of think of questions that you would or you wouldn't think of Um, it was also learning from people's practices and what they're passionate about we had we we had somebody come in and share a presentation and one of the things on their farm were rabbits and how they were using the rabbits poop in their fertilizer and they had went through understanding she was a she was a soil specialist okay. and when she went through understanding how soil works and um the different animal byproducts people use in their soil and she through her research because she's just so interested in soil health that she came up with a formula that works for her and that's using rabbits over chickens you know over horses 
so you're exposed to that when you're in this larger group mm-hmm. and I was like wow and first I'm like she's a soil like she has like a master's or something in like soil health wow and yeah yeah and I was like you can do that you can do that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's something that I've shared with the youth here that I had interning is that this work is not just what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm showing you as a life sustainable skill. So even if you don't have a job, you can at least put together a little something on your plate. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. You can still yeah. nourish yourself. So I'm telling them this isn't the end. Right. Like you can take this, whatever you learned here, and be like that lady I just told you, a soil expert. Well, that, that mm-hmm. was one thing I was going to ask was about the farmer presenters, because that's the way Farm Beginnings is always presented as a communal education program where mm-hmm. rather than bringing in so-called experts to mm-hmm. teach, it's farmers who are actually out there. Was that useful yeah. for you? Yeah, we're learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it also takes, it's not negative tension, but I just want to use tension for lack of a better word. It's not negative tension, but that feeling you get where you are receiving a presentation from someone that's like Mr. PhD, you know, versus someone you're like, oh, they don't even have a degree and they're doing this. And you're like, <laughs> you just like you relax your shoulders a little bit, mm, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good way to put it. So it was nice. And this is our community. Like this is what these the presenters were right here in Minnesota and they were just like an hour away or an hour and a half away and they were doing they were doing fabulous things and then you get to see different parts of Minnesota and you're like I didn't know our land could do that you know I didn't know our land looked that beautiful this is where I garden yeah but then uh, there was another lady she had cows they were beef farmers and they had just cows and she was showing her cows and the the landscape looks different so just to be and then we had invitations to go and visit people's farms and it was just all of that contributed to the growth of my knowledge my passion for wanting to continue doing this they say that this this work can feel lonely but Mm. when you have a cohort you you know you might hesitate a little but then you're like you know i'm gonna give regina a call yeah yep i'm just gonna call her (laughs) have you done that have you connected with some of the folks you're in with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yeah you're doing agriculture which just to be frank and honest Mm -hmm. for black people in particular it has a really Mm -hmm. sour history Mm-hmm. And so you're, mm-hmm. in some ways, overcoming that, maybe from your own, I don't want to, again, put words in your mouth, but from your own point of view, but also trying to get other people in the community interested in this. Is that something that you have had to deal, struggle with, Got, yeah. both from a personal point of view and also that, hey, it doesn't have to be this, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, dark, dark history that this this people in the community should be able to be involved with agriculture just like anyone else, you mm-hmm. know, even though. Yep. Majority of and majority of LSP members, frankly, farmer members are white, and agriculture mm-hmm. is dominated now by white people. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Is that something you've dealt with or t- mm-hmm. thought about? And, and oh yeah, yeah, it's a part of this work, definitely. I try to explain that to people, 
that I guess if you want to call it the black experience is is a lived it's a truly lived experience throughout every lived experience yeah. like it doesn't matter what industry you're in it doesn't matter what your passions are wherever you're taking yourself and your body mm-hmm. that is constructed of your brown skin like that's taking you every every experience is that kind of exchange it is because we're everywhere we want to participate everywhere just like anyone else right and so you're gonna have people of color that ski that farm (laughs) that surf that play hockey that want to be an astronaut want to be the president want to be a good neighbor and so wherever that person wants to be if wherever they are is in conflict with their body in terms of the color of their skin then you know their physical appearance then that's a totally different experience and it's hard it gets challenging sometimes because you just want to grow food. Right. You don't want to grow food and. And. Grow yeah. food and. Mm-hmm. Grow food and. You don't want to do that. You just want to grow food because you know that there are people that are just growing food. Exactly. <laughs> and they don't have to deal with the and, the mm-hmm. but, the however, furthermore. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it, yeah. And there's always an and, another and, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to deal with the extra. That's right. what we call the extra. Yeah. The extra, yeah. <laughs> so that breaks my heart when I have to live through a challenge like that in agriculture because I just want to grow food. Yes. I think food is a natural right for people I don't think it should be delegated or talked about who gets it who doesn't who you know I shouldn't say who should get this and who should get that and I hate that part of doing this work is because there's economic injustices that make things like food justice food injustices a thing You know, because we're dictating how the money goes and then people don't have the amount they need to sustain their basic needs. They can't buy food because food costs money. And to do something for free, the money has to be coming from somewhere because it's going to cost you to do something for free. Right, right. (laughs) That That's hard for me. But it is an issue. And I mean, is there Mm -hmm. some some examples of challenges you've had because mm-hmm. of that that you and in, that you've been able to either overcome or that you're still struggling with a little bit well yeah like so to do this work this is what i'm learning about the entrepreneurial side is that you know to do this work and you want to solicit funds mm. from the public like you have to set it up as different entities and stuff and sometimes that's a challenge sometimes that's a challenge for people of color because your business profile when you're when you have your own business is dictated by your personal financial management history you know Mm -hmm. and so if you are a person of color and one you lack the knowledge of financial management and all those aspects 
you're already coming out the door behind when you want to start your own business. Right. If you can't get, you know, access to banking and stuff like that and opening up a business credit line or if you even have capital to use mm-hmm. or um, assets or people within your network that are just going to pour into you. You have to do some serious crowdfunding. There, There's that part. I haven't really felt like, you know, I wasn't acceptable in a room or that talking about topics that I like are concerning to me. I don't feel like I'm ever put off or anything. I haven't had those experiences, I think, because things have changed. So when I go to community events and stuff like that, I don't feel... I don't feel like anyone's treating me a certain way because I'm either, you know, in in a protected class of citizens. I don't feel like anybody's doing anything like that to me. But does it happen? Yeah. Has it happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you don't know what maybe you missed. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm the kind of person I'll sign up for anything. I'm usually the youngest in the room Uh and the black person in the room (laughs) I'm usually that person and I've learned to be comfortable in those spaces and to and to be like you know what I'm 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 here I'm here to participate I'm here to receive some information and this is for my good and if Mm -hmm. somebody in the classroom don't want me to be in there they're gonna have to get up and leave yeah <laughs> but i'm staying because i belong going. here yeah, yeah. <laughs> but farm beginnings has been like lsp itself dominated by white mm-hmm. students up until the past two sessions i think it's we're getting oh, wow. more, more people of color and okay. so that builds on itself you know of course it's easy for me as an old white guy to say this but mm-hmm. it seems like it builds on itself because the more people see other people like themselves in the class they feel comfortable mm-hmm. and so then you know Yep. It builds on itself a little bit, and they say, oh, yeah, agriculture doesn't have to be all white, mm-hmm. old white guys. <laughs> yeah, know? yep, yeah, because it was old MacDonald that had the farm. For sure. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> That was. that's like the childhood memory I have of farming. Yeah, the old Scottish white guy, I guess, <laughs> that's who he was. I don't know who that guy was. <laughs> well, so yeah. tell me about, so you've got four plots now? Uh, we have this one and the one at home, and, and the then the home. one that we're leading up the street at the school at Falwell School. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about the challenges of like, for example, so this. How did you get this plot? Who owns it? Or yeah. what's what's the story with this this, this particular? And how how big? What do, so this is a a house like what would a house would occupy? So it's mm-hmm. how many. This you know is a regular city block. I think it's 0.25 acres. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I'd have to... The old listing is probably still up because um, the owner purchased this in 2019, I want to say. Okay. And he's just a private owner. He's a neighborhood guy. Um, Thomas Hertzog. This is his lot. And he said... He sent out an email and he said to our garden mentor he said i'm looking for somebody to do something good on this land and i had just been in the car with our mentor we were driving around looking at lots around um, north minneapolis to Mm -hmm. see which one we would decide to grow on and he was showing me the ones that they had available 
And then he said, oh, I got this email coming through and it was this one. And I said, okay. So I gave my little presentation to Thomas and I said, this is what we want to do with the space. And, and he said, oh, that's so great, a garden, yes. So we had an MOU and he said, well, I do plan to develop there. And I was like, well, I hope that we grow our garden so well that you do not want to develop there. And <laughs> well, now it's 2023. Uh, and, and was that in 2019 that you first mm-hmm. this started? Okay. Yeah, yep. I uh-huh. just met him and I was looking for space. Our wonderful neighbors over there, Oscar and his family. And then we have Miss Sandy over here. And then T is in the back. Yeah, and her Miss Sandy's son, Chris, stays there. And then our other neighbor across the way with the red fence, that's Shamika and Antonio. Yeah, those are the people we've really come to know um, since we've been here. Um, Yeah, yeah, you mentioned because you can borrow water from the neighbor, Mm -hmm. Sandy, here. Yep. (laughs) Would this neighborhood be considered kind of a food desert? I mean, is there, Mm -hmm. what would be the closest source of Food Fresh desert. Produce. What's the other word I'm looking for? Um, fast food dense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw the Popeyes mm-hmm. up there, which is delicious, but yeah. not very good for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe not fried chicken ten different ways. Exactly. You know, and one within, I don't know, is that a mile? of Just a whole mile you got. I don't understand how that has become a thing, but... I am interested in finding out. <laughs> yeah, well, with the public health, studying the public health, that mm-hmm. really fits in with that. Have you been surprised at how much produce can come out of a small lot like this? I mean, it... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, have I? Yes. So, like, now, sometimes I don't even get worried. Some people are like, oh, my gosh, this is going to, I just got to pull everything up. Is Because so, it looks like you have cabbage and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And what all are we growing here? Uh-huh. So we have Swiss chard, cauliflower, purple cabbage, cucumbers, sage, collard greens, banana peppers, basil, lavender. Yeah, mustard greens, Brussels sprouts, cantaloupe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are surprised too that stuff can be raised in Minnesota. They like well, Minnesota doesn't raise vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> It's yep. too cold here. You can get some here yeah. for a limited time only. <laughs> for more information on Farm Beginnings and Our Roots Garden, see the podcast page for Ear to the Ground episode 328 at org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, Contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear the Ground a rating on whatever podcast platform you utilize. And word of mouth is the best way to spread the news about our podcast. If you like what you hear, tell at least one person about LSP's Ear to the Ground. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 